welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. This podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday, normal rhythms of life. Gentlemen, would you introduce yourselves? Yeah, this is Rob Spikes for Pastor of Discipleship. <laughs> Joel, Deacon of Worship. Alex Tate, Sacred City Youth Director. The order just right. got thrown off. I don't know if hey, it's I like it. Hey, Kevin like already it. knows the way to go. You know, you're, no. you're new. You know? I thought you were going to go no, I, I don't mind it. I, I don't mind mixing it up a little bit. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> Sorry. All right. So we are studying now or talking about the sins that men and women are prone to. We've already deeply offended all of the effeminate <laughs> men in our church. No, just joking. We talked about it. We don't get offended by stuff like that. We don't mind talking about our sin. We don't mind confessing our sin. We don't mind. We repent. We confess it. We repent. We change, right? So now we are going to tread where angels fear to tread. Mm-hmm. Four men are going to talk about the sins that women are prone to. Only Justin's gonna talk about it. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> Only Justin's I, talking about it. We're just here listening name? with you guys. I'm, that's on the other side. We're listening with you. I'm here to learn. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, I'm sorry. This is uh, this is Kevin Kinnor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Pastor Rob isn't here today. I, I got the name mixed up. So <laughs> yeah. sorry. So we do not. Uh, we don't. We actually don't have any firsthand knowledge of this. We've just read this in a book, and right. we're talking about this. This has nothing to do with our wives. Mm-hmm. This has nothing to do with any women in our church. Yeah. This is 100%, you know, speculation. It's from Doug Wilson. I, it's, <laughs> it's Doug Wilson. That's, we're just reading what he's saying. All right. We're playing. We're playing. No, we love our women. We yes. love women at Sacred City. Yeah. We love our wives. Um, I've got four daughters in my home. Love every single one of them to death. And yet I have seen that my son... And my daughters are very different, mm-hmm. and they are prone to sin in very unique mm-hmm. ways. I have been a pastor for over 20 years, and I've seen men sin in predominantly masculine ways, and women sin predominantly in feminine ways. And when you bring this, these questions to the Bible and you start asking the Bible, what kind of feminine sins does the Bible condemn? What does the Bible tell women that they're prone to and that they should turn from and they should repent? And I got to be honest, I don't know if I've ever heard a sermon mm-hmm. on this kind of like the sins of women, mm-hmm. you know? And so as we've been talking about masculinity and femininity and studying our origins, I've been thinking about it and I've, I've pointed out a few things from, from Genesis, but then I came across this past week, this chapter in the book, The Covenantal Household by Doug Wilson, a good book that I would recommend for all of our um, families to read. It's on um, Canon Press. If you if you have a Canon Plus membership, which I recommend for everybody to get, because you get so many amazing resources for that. You can there's an Audible version. You can listen to it. It's only like two and a half hours long, uh, Audible version or whatever. So it's great. So he has. We've talked about the sins of men already, and now it's time to discuss the sins of women. And the first sin he mentions is the sin of disrespect. Paul says this in Ephesians 5, 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and let the wife see that she honor or respect her husband. Mm-hmm. All right? So he's telling husbands, love, wives, honor. So now listen to this statement by, by Doug Wilson that really got me. 
He says this, Many women believe and understand that a husband is to love his wife unconditionally. Mm -hmm. But then they have a really hard time respecting unconditionally. Okay. So we want, we believe that Christ-like love is to love, love our wives, even when our wives are not being lovely, right? Yeah. We're called to lay down our life for her and to love her even when she's being ugly is the way that my, my family would say it. Mm-hmm. If she's being ugly, you, you still love her, mm-hmm. right? But when it comes to the, the female responsibility of honoring her husband, we sometimes assume that that means you only honor him when he's being honorable. Mm-hmm. Give an example. we got to break that down now. Well, if, if, he's, if he's not providing enough for the family. Yeah. So... She will be she will be tempted to dishonor him, mm. to cut him down, to use words of disrespect, to demean him in front of other people. Maybe even maybe on Facebook, maybe mm-hmm. uh, just in the presence of the home. Yes, if I you guess. could if you could make a little bit more money, then I guess we could go on a vacation. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you could get a better job, if you could keep a job, if you could do this, if you could yeah. do that, dishonoring her husband, and she thinks she has a right to it. Because he's actually being dishonorable. He's lazy. He's doing something wrong, Mm -hmm. right? The command is given by God, and it's not a conditional command. It's not, husbands, when your wife is being sweet, love her. Oh, okay. That sounds great. That's easy. Mm -hmm. No, it's when, when, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. While your wife is being ugly, love your wife like Christ loved the church. So too is it, not conditional, when your husband's being honorable, honor him in all things. It's wives, honor, respect your husbands, period. And this is why it's so important for a woman to never be in a relationship with a man she does not honor, she does not respect, Mm -hmm. which shows you the insufficiency of sexual desire Right, this is the the guy who can't hold a job, but he's real good looking, or he's real built, or he's the captain of the football team, or he's whatever it is. Right. He's that guy, and you might think, oh, this guy would be fun to be with. He might, you know, be good arm candy, or he might be good in bed, or he mm-hmm. might be good whatever. But if you don't respect him, so do you love him? Do you love him? That's not the question you ask a woman. Mm-hmm. The question you ask a woman is, do you respect him? Mm-hmm. And if, if, if she doesn't respect him, she should never be in a relationship with him. You can think about it. The opposite side is, is that he may, he may really provide well. He may make lots of money, and, and yet he doesn't treat her well in terms of just uh, being at home, you know, spending time with her, that kind of a thing. She needs to be asking it, it the same way. Uh, so, again, I think it is a great question for any single woman who is, you know, hoping to, you know, that God is really leading to a, into a marriage, that she'd be really asking that question while they're dating, can I respect this guy? Because if she can't, it's not going to change. It's going to get worse. It's, as we saw last time when we were on the on the sins of the man, it, it, when you get married, that volume just goes up. I mean, yeah. it has been amplified. It only yeah. gets amplified in marriage. So yeah. I think it's good that you, you said ask the question, but what does it look like for young ladies to be able to 
see if they can respect them. Because like when you're in a, a fun relationship before you're getting married and all the things, you're only seeing what they show you, right? Mm-hmm. So what, it, what would it look like for them to be able to see some of those things that they may not respect? Well, for a, for a lady, she needs to, in one sense, step out of her emotions. Yeah. Now, I know that's really hard, right? And they might get mad at me for even saying that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But everything feels great in the beginning, early stages. And mm-hmm. love, you know, affection, desire, all of that stuff is really um, inflamed and it's and very passionate, right? So it's, it's hard to make judgments. But you need to, when you ask the question, do I respect him? That brings you out of your heart and up into your head. Right. So the challenge for a man is to come out of his head and get into his heart. Yeah. The challenge for the wife is to get out of her heart and get up into her head. Mm-hmm. And so how many movies have you seen where the girl falls in love with the bad boy? Yeah. That's right? all of them. That's how they suck you in. That's right? all of them. <laughs> that's it. That's it. <laughs> like Twilight. He's a vampire. <laughs> but he's so pretty. Why would I think twice on this one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do you... He wants to suck people's blood and kill them. Is that a Can respectable you? profession? <laughs> Do you respect Let's this think guy? About this. It's yeah. not does his does his skin glitter. It's he not going to his heart. He ain't got one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, why do I say this? Because how many how many women fall in love with a man who can't keep a job? Yeah. Who is unfaithful and sleeps around? Who deals drugs or is in some kind of, you know, immoral profession, right? And if she would ask the simple question, do I respect him? She would say no, and that would bring clarity to her situation, and then she could back away from it and seek wisdom. But he goes to church. That's not the, that's not the, good, he Mm, goes to church. Yeah. Sometimes the devil goes to church. Mm, That's good. Okay, so we don't, we can't, you know, like... The devil walked into the presence of God. That's how the book of Job starts. Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you have to remember that. But this idea, parents need to talk about this as well. Your daughters need to find somebody that doesn't, ju- they don't just love them. They're not just excited about them, but do you respect him? Yeah. Right? Because marriage, like Rob said, it compounds the situation. It amplifies, it plugs who he is into an amplifier. And if he's an unrespectful person, if he's a disrespectful person, if he's a, if he's a fool, yeah. Marriage and family is going to amplify yeah. that foolishness, yeah. and it's going to bring a lot of destruction. Yeah, I think one way, too, is to learn his story. So in other words, in, your, in that time when you're getting to know him, to actually find out, listen to his story. Let him tell his story a little bit of his relationships and his relationships with his parents, his relationships with, with his own family will be yeah. very clarifying as well. So there's some just some things that... You can just ask, and you should at least, there's, there probably at least will be some yellow flags that will come up that make you want to say, okay, I need to get d- deeper into this part of this man to find out whether or not I should be concerned or not for yeah. you know, a red flag that says, no, I can't, could not respect this man. And I think it's important for them to get out of their hearts because if they're in their heart, those, those red flags become pink flags. And, they be, and then they become yellow flags, and then you, you forget about the flag. But when you're in your head, you see oh, that red flag, oh. and you it, it, you kind of break it down yeah, a little bit. Yeah, and I would take that analogy and say, no, 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 no. They don't become pink, and they don't become yellow. You just, your perspective has changed. Because as soon as you get married, those red flags come back as red flags. Oh, yeah. And now the woman 
wants to change him. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because she doesn't respect him. And it's going to bring... So here's here's what women need to hear. If if you are married, the command to God, to, uh, the command of God to you is to respect your husband. Unconditional respect. To cut him down in front of people, to demean him, to even to, to his own face, to try to throw his sin up into his face, that's a sin against God. It's a sin against God and it's a sin against your husband. So... You should not expect to be blessed when you're doing that. So when you just said that is throw something in his face. So if someone brings something to their attention of like, babe, we're not making enough money. Is that necessarily throwing it in his face no. or is that just addressing the situation? No, that's just bringing it up. Okay. But, but to say, why can't you provide like Joe Smith over there? Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Why, so. what, you know what I mean? Like, why aren't you like that guy? Mm-hmm. This is how you always do. This is what you. This is what you're like. You're like, like, and the the, the reality is, <clears throat> you chose him. Yeah. And he was like this when you chose him. Yeah. But you chose him in your feelings, and now you're dealing with respect, and you and you don't respect him. Yeah. So, for a wife, this is why it's such a big big deal. A wife, just as he's called to love her unconditionally, no matter how gossip she is, how mean she is, how whatever, he's called to love her and lay his life down for her. She's called to respect him. And to not respect him is to sin against Jesus and to sin against God. Well, I'm even thinking about my own marriage and the times where my wife has been disrespectful. It's, It's counterproductive to what she actually would want. Like She actually wants me to grow and she actually wants to see this situation improve. But if I'm being demeaned or dishonored, it it never really goes well. But the times where she approaches me, if there's a situation that needs to be changed, my character needs to be changed or something needs fixed, and it's in an honoring fashion, I almost instantly get it. And and so I'm getting what I need, and, mm-hmm. and she's getting the thing that she's actually after. And she's mm-hmm. fulfilling really what God really, has yes. done right. in terms of what, did, what happened there in the garden when Adam was by himself. God said, this is not good that yeah. he is alone. He brings the woman in to be his helper. Yeah. When I think of helper in that, I, another word I could, you could easily use is his ally. Mm-hmm. And so as an ally, you do speak into that other individual and say, hey, I see something wrong here. I think we're, 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 you're failing short maybe on this area. How can I help it, you become yeah. the person that I believe God wants you to be? And it feels a lot totally to me different. like, it feels a lot to me like a difference between them. Maybe he said that them, the difference between them trying to be the Holy Spirit in my life and bring a t- their type mm. of conviction versus right. coming alongside what they know the Holy Spirit can only do. Yeah. And that's another sin. We're going to get to that one. Yeah. yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, sorry. That's right. Yeah. No. That's good. So, ladies, I want you to hear. It is appropriate for you to reach out to a pastor. It is appropriate mm-hmm. for you to reach out to your husband's fight club, to reach out to his mission or community leader and say, hey, I, we're dealing with this because many times men don't ask for help, right? We might be struggling in silence and we might not be reaching out. We, we're maybe we're in our pride and we're, we don't want to ask for help. It's appropriate for you to reach out to a pastor mm-hmm. and, and in all these God-honoring ways. That's not what we're saying. But it is inappropriate for you to show disrespect to your husband. Here's this. As much as a woman runs on love and affirmation from her husband, a man runs on respect and honor from her husband. Okay? So it's that important to him. 
okay? So you have to show him respect in this area. All right, number two, the number two sin here is resentment. Peter says, likewise, husbands dwell with your wife according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. Now, again, here, Peter doesn't explain what kind of weakness he's talking about. It could be physical, it could be emotional, who knows what it is. And some people infer wrongly that this means that if the woman is hurt or offended by something the husband has done, she has a right to be offended. Now, the Bible teaches that to be offended is as sinful as to give offense. Say what? Break that down. (laughs) (laughs) So, sometimes people offend accidentally. They didn't mean anything by it, right? But the person offended nurtures and builds up, feeds that offense, runs it over in their head, and then usually applies motives. I bet they did that because they're jealous. I bet they did that because they hate me. I bet they did that over a period of weeks, months, years. And Mm. that harboring of offense or resentment is a deliberate sin. So I can, oh man, I do this all the time. I say so much stuff from the pulpit. Sometimes I'm meaning to offend people. Like, I know they're going to be offended. They need to be offended because they need to hear the word of God. But sometimes I say things and people are offended and I didn't mean anything. What they think I meant, I didn't mean anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I know what I meant because I wrote it and I, <laughs> I said it and I had my purpose in mind, right? So to be offended is itself a sin, And the nursing of that offense or the nursing of that resentment is an offense against God. So that's, if you look at that, that's as quickly as asking, what did you mean by that? Well, it can be, but... Instead of being offended, instead of soaking it. I don't even think you need to do that. Mm. So with your spouse, maybe. But like when I'm preaching, everybody can't go, what did you mean by that? Sometimes it's just believing the best about another person. Mm -hmm. Mm. Proverbs 19, 11 says, good sense makes one slow to anger and his... And it is his glory to look to overlook, overlook. an offense. Mm-hmm. It's his glory to overlook yeah. an offense. So you go, ah. Sometimes I have to. I'm preaching on sexual desires this week, and one of the things I'm going to say is that our sexual desires cannot be trusted because they're fallen. They cannot be trusted. Okay. Our offense cannot be trusted. Mm-hmm. You. You, your wife, your husband says this one thing and you think he meant, <laughs> I remember the best one was, I would go to the refrigerator when we were early married and I'd be like, babe, there's nothing to eat in here. And what I'm saying is what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> okay? <laughs> like, I'm looking in this refrigerator and nothing in here looks like it goes together. <laughs> I'm hungry. And I... But what, what, my, what my wife was hearing was, you're telling me I'm a bad wife. And I'd be like, huh? <laughs> like, <laughs> this has nothing to do with that. I'm hungry and I want something to eat and I don't see anything in here. I am, I am not trying to insinuate that you are a bad wife, that you have not done something correctly. All I'm asking is if there's something to eat in here... <laughs> Point me in the right direction. 
<laughs> point me in the right direction. It's all condiments. It's just like condiments. Oh, no, weird. no, because she could. Most of the time, yeah. she could go. She was being a great wife, and she could miraculously make something yeah, out yeah. of what you were looking in the refrigerator and could see nothing. Just yeah, not creative yeah. enough. So it's just the opposite of what yeah. she was taking it for, for sure. Or you know, I'm, you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, That's good. but the so here's the idea. I'm not saying that to dig at my wife. Okay. I'm saying that because I'm hungry and I literally don't see anything to eat. For her to take offense at that is actually her own sin. What if there's a relationship where that person's always being passive aggressive? And it's always that. Never really having a conversation, but yeah, I don't the passive think it, aggressiveness well, is Well, I think always... passive aggressiveness is its own problem. Yeah, yeah. And that need, needs to be addressed. And, a, and, a, and, you know, that could be... Uh, that, that needs to be addressed. I, I would yeah, just yeah. say that, that needs to be addressed. Yeah. Um, but my point is, it takes two people to be offended. Okay? So what I mean by that is there's an offender and there's a person that gets offended. And you don't have to get offended. How many times did you see Jesus get offended? They fell asleep during prayer. I mean, like, <laughs> like, yeah. he, he'll wake up. He was frustrated. Right, right. But you don't see him reacting. You don't see him, you don't even love me, do you? You don't even care about me. I'm just about to go to the cross and look at you. He doesn't do all that. Right? He doesn't get all offended by it. Yeah, he points out their laziness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm about to die and you're asleep. Right? Just one prayer I asked yeah, you for. It. Yeah. Thanks for the help, boys. But to be offended is a choice. And I don't think most of us believe that. To be offended is a choice, but it is our glory to overlook an offense. Yeah. Mm. Love covers a multitude of sins. Right? So Paul says in Ephesians 4.31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger, all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Mm -hmm. So again, there are two people in the world. There's offenders and offended. And many times it's men and women. Men are offending and women are being offended, respectively, right? We, we, we can be blockheaded. That's part of our sin. And then women you know, are tender and they can take that. So again, Maybe I'm being blockheaded when I go, there's nothing to eat in the refrigerator, right? I probably am being blockheaded because there probably is. Um, and my wife, and I'm prone to that sin, and my wife is prone to be take, take personal offense to that, right? And she needs to, uh, she needs to not to, right? So I, just thinking this through a bit, if I'm offended, I, it's probably an opportunity for me to be asking the question of, why am I being offended? Mm -hmm. Now, it could be that I'm being offended for the right reason. In other words, I could be offended because the truth has spoken. Uh, do we use the word offended when, when the truth has oh. spoken to us and our conscience is pricked and we're like, that, that offends me because he just called my sin out, right? 100%. So, and, and so, but it could, that, it, so that's good because if I respond correctly and I confess that and repent of that, then I'm on the, on the road, right road to, to really a flourishing life. I can also be offended and not, it, it, and not be offended by the truth per se, but be just offended by the way somebody has said it. I need to be working. I can also use that as a means of saying, now what, what's, going on in, it, what's going on in my own life? So I should use those opportunities as means of trying to 
to see my own self yeah. for what for what it for what so. it really is. Yeah. So hmm. <clears throat> there's a little bit of danger <clears throat> in this idea of it's not what you said, it's how you said it. Right. Because that's going gets that's getting at motive. It's getting at motive, and it's getting at and it's the the problem with it is it's one hundred percent subjective. Correct. Yeah. Right. And if I, if the only way I can receive truth, is the way that I want to receive the truth, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> right. I have set up my self righteous standard that everyone must use to speak to me. Yeah. And that's just not what Jesus did. Right. Like when the rich young ruler came to Jesus and Jesus Jesus did not tell him what right. he wanted to hear in the way that he wanted to hear it. Yeah. The rich young ruler went away sad. Yeah. And if we use that, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. Right. To if we laid that over Jesus, Jesus wouldn't pass that test. Because mm-hmm. Jesus said some harsh things in some harsh ways, call, calling people <laughs> Vipers, vipers, <laughs> snakes, tombs, yeah, empty sepulchers, or whatever. Yeah. Imagine him being really mushy and gray with Pharisees. Like, right? It just wouldn't cut through. Yeah, right. It's like Joel, get behind me, Satan. Yeah, yeah. And it's like that's it's still, not what you said. It, it's how you a, said it. It's, it's like, almost more offensive. Bro, bro, like, no, it's what you said, and you know, I don't know how to <laughs> yeah, describe. Yeah. Like, Jesus offended people on purpose. Right. Well, the gospel is said to be an offense, yeah. a stumbling block yeah. and an offense to the heart that, you know, doesn't receive it. Yeah, that's what is a stumbling block and offense? That That's the gospel. Yeah, it's yeah. meant to be, yeah. right? Yeah. So we can get really, um, we, can, we can be easily offended. We can hold resentment. And now resentment is, I think one thing, Rob, I can be offended and go, ooh, and then work through it and confess it and own it. And again, I think this is... Yeah. Resentment is the opposite of keeping short accounts. Yeah, right. It's the thing. You right. always do that. You always say that. See, remember when you did that with your mom and with your dad? And it's keeping a record of wrongs and keeping this list. Mm-hmm. And then anytime you have an argument, you bring that list of accusations up. And that is, you know, that leads us to the second, third one, yep. which is a spirit of accusation. Yep. Mm. yep. A spirit of accusation. Uh, Job 2, 7 through 10 says this. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his feet into his crown. And he took with a, basically a piece of pot to scrape himself with, and he sat down among the ashes. So life is going poorly for Job here. Then said his wife unto him, Do you still retain your integrity? Curse God and die. Wow. Yeah. Eve, Thanks. mother of all living, <laughs> life-giving helpmate here. Yeah. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Dang! Shall we receive good from the hand of God and not receive evil? And all this did not Job sin with his lips. So Job just called his wife. uh, He said, "Uh, you're speaking like a foolish woman, and that was not a sin. So what do we see there? We see that Job's wife partnered with the devil. The devil... Satan literally means accuser, mm-hmm. the accuser of the brethren. And he accuses us. He brings our sins up in our face. So when we sin, Satan doesn't just bring up our sin. He brings the whole record up. Oh, the, here you go again. 
He wants us to remember every time we've sinned, every time we've promised we'd never do it again. He wants to tell us, you're just like this. You're never going to change. You're an awful husband. You're an awful man. You're an awful Christian. You're an awful dad. Blah, 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 blah. Well, many times, wives, and I think husbands can do this too, but I think we're seeing here in the text of Scripture with Job's wife, I think this is something that, that wives can be tempted particularly towards to keep a long list of... And here's, here's the reality. Forgiveness, there's, there, you are, we are called by God to forgive, and I'm going to say mm -hmm. to forget. Mm -hmm. That God himself, who forgets nothing, right. says he forgets our iniquities. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. throws them as far as the east is from the west from us, and he remembers them no more. Okay? So if God does it when we've sinned and he's completely holy, right, and righteous, and we've sinned against him, then aren't we, don't, don't you think we should follow him and, and do that as well? Yeah. I, I remember interacting with a, a woman on this very thing, and she said, yeah, I've forgiven him, but I'm not going to ever be able to forget. And I pushed that back on that, saying, well, you are to forgive as God has forgiven us. And he has is the very verse that you said, you know, throwing our sins from the east to the west, that he remembers it no more. He says, well, that's impossible. And I said, yep, that's impossible. That's why Christ went to the cross for you. But he's still calling you to that standard. And so the standard is, mm. is that as I, the, I bring that back up into my memory and start to kind of Correct. mold it over, I, that's my moment of I've got to confess that, I've got to repent of that, and I've got to be, ask for God's forgiveness. Now, what's so hard about that is that many times what, you know, what we're doing is, that person's the one who hurt us, you know. We, we've been sinned against, and then it, you know, we we say, okay, I forgive them, but I'm not going to forget. We we feel like we're justified in not in in holding on to it in some in some way because we weren't the one who sinned; they sinned against us. But God's calling us to this to forgive as he has forgiven. And so I really encourage, you know, it, it's a it's almost like a like a, an onion. You've got to you, you think you've forgiven. And you've, okay, I've forgotten. I'm not going to remember that anymore. And then something brings it up. That's something triggered. happens, yeah. brings it back up. You've got to confess and say, I thought I forgave as God has forgiven me, but I obviously haven't because it got brought up. And then you you confess, you repent, and you press forward. And so, it keeps going on and on. But the beauty of it is that God begins to work that out of you, and eventually you don't remember. I mean, mm. God really can take that memory away of a sin. Yeah, so... We're called and commanded by God to take every thought captive mm -hmm. and make it obedient to Christ. Yeah. <clears throat> so when that thought comes back in my mind, here he, he did it again, he did it again, and you're about to bring it up and use it as a stick to beat him with, you say, no, Christ died for this sin. Even though he did it again, Christ died for the sin. And it's one thing to remember it. It's a whole different thing to bring it up to him and throw it in his face, right? Mm -hmm. right? And yeah, it might. It's a. It, maybe it's a sin to remember it and to hold it against him and to hold resentment. But it's even greater sin to bring it up and throw it in his face. And I know every single wife, you are so lucky because your your question. I know what you're thinking right now. Well, how many times do I? He keeps doing it. Mm -hmm. How many times do I have to forgive him? So many times. What did you say, Joel? 70 times 7. <laughs> Man, Jesus' standards are high. <laughs> Jesus answered this exact yeah. question. Yeah. 
70 times 7. And we know the number 7 is representative perfection. So the idea is as often as he does it, right? As often as he does it, yes, you want, you want him to confess it. Now, are there certain things that you, are there certain sins that you have to prepare yourself for and you have to be wise about? Yes, 100%. If you're being abused, anything like that, mm -hmm. yes. But if your husband is prone to double-take women when you're walking in the mall, you know, it's not your job to smack him and to bring it, there you go again, there you go again. That's not your job. That's not your job, right? So you are partnering, and this is harsh, this is harsh, but we see it here with Job's wife. To accuse your husband of things like that is partnering with the devil, right? That's what that's the devil's job, right? Doesn't mean that he's not sinning, but you cannot take on that spirit of accusation that is meant to keep the long record of wrongs and accuse and say basically what wives want. I don't know what they're trying to do, but what they're actually doing is demoralizing their husband, disrespecting their husband, and disempowering their husband. Right. Because they're basically saying, there is no hope for you. Right. There is no hope for you. There is no hope for you. And they don't realize that. And the thing is, is they're meant to be their husband's helper. And what they're doing is what the proverb says they should never do, and that's tearing down their husband. You know, They want a great husband, but what they're doing is actually cutting his knees out from under him. Yeah. Right? when they should be helping him. Mm. Yep. So, yes, you have to forgive. Yes, you, you need to work hard to forget. But most importantly, you shouldn't be bringing it up every time he does it again, mm -hmm. right? Which brings us to the next sin, because the next sin is being, what is it, what do you call it, the little helper? Being uh, God's little helper. Yeah, it's God's an little helper. It's, it's, it's interesting. I, when I saw that title, I'm like, what's yeah. this going to be about? Yeah. This is good. So Proverbs says, obviously, the foolish woman tears down her house with her own hands. Yeah. She's called to be the fruitful vine that builds it up from the inside. But the foolish woman tears it down. And like Job's wife, they can do so with their tongues. Paul says, neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Wives are given to their husbands to be a help, not to be the Holy Spirit's little helper. Yeah, oh, is. my goodness. <laughs> the husband is not the woman's remodel project. Yeah. Now, this is important because we talked about it when um, I think it's sometimes it's most prone when, when the husband is dealing with lust and he maybe confesses it to his wife. And the wife wants to know details. The wife wants to know who. The wife wants to know what type, what style. And, and I'm like, bro, do not do that. Get out of that. That You better start backpedaling or you're going to get in great what danger. What are you talking about? Detail of what? Details of like, <laughs> how do you lust? What mm. type of girl are you attracted to? Okay. What gets your attention? Because every girl she sees now that's like that, she's like... We're going to go in the opposite way. <laughs> Not only that, but you get whatever. You're into redheads. Yeah. A redhead shows up at your AMC. She's just staring at you. Like, 
You gotta look at the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but because she is taking the role of the Holy Spirit, she's trying to control. Right? She's trying to bring conviction, and only the Holy Spirit can do that. Yeah, right. she's trying to bring conviction. She's trying to bring conviction. She's trying to bring life change. She's trying to bring, and, and but what she's actually, do, she's not the Holy Spirit. So what she's actually doing is is demasculating or emasculating her husband. So I think it's a good conversation because like even guys, right? We we know certain things about our wives um, that we need to bring attention to certain situations. How could a, a woman bring this up to her husband in a loving way? Like, hey, I feel disrespected. I feel unloved. I feel whatever um, about this certain situation, definitely with other women. Like, how, how could they bring that up? Is it disrespectful all the time when they bring it up, or should they never what touch do you mean? the situation? You gotta, you're gonna have to get exam. So, get so with the redhead, if she if she knows that <laughs> if she knows that about her husband, right? If she knows it about her husband, because that's a part of his story and a part of his past, um, and that and that comes up, how how should she bring that up? Without demoralizing him or making him feel less than. Bring it up. Why? What do you mean? Bring it up in a sense of like, hey, or do you feel like attracted to this? She shouldn't do it. Oh, okay. She should not do that. Mm. There's no, do you, is it a Christian thing to go searching for offenses? Mm, no, absolutely not. Right? Like, okay. and then if he says, what? She had red hair. <laughs> you right. know, like, right. like he didn't, oh, give me a break. No. You noticed her. She was beautiful. <laughs> she was, you know, it's like, wait, like there, there is no way this goes well. This, no. this doesn't go well. Yeah, so, no, and and what's going on in his mind, in one sense, like, that's, I hate, to, I don't know if I should, none of her business, mm. because what's going, it's like this, I'm not asking my wife, were you tempted to disrespect me there? Yeah. Were you thinking I was a fool? Were you think I don't want to know that. Yeah. She She's meant to fight her sin in her own head, in her own soul. I'm meant to fight my sin in my own head, in my own soul. Now, when it comes out, like if he's staring at this redhead girl and, you know, then yeah, then it's mm. going to be a problem. Then it's got to be discussed, yeah. right? But she shouldn't be jumping the gun yeah. and convicting him of a sin or accusing him of a sin that he hasn't committed. Right. Right? That's and you, you should, and also you should hope that that never happens, right? Because you don't want to be like, I knew it the whole time. I knew it the whole time, you yeah. know, so... Well, that again, that's that's accusatory. That sounds yeah. just like the devil. It does. Yeah. That sounds just like the devil. Right. I knew it. You know, and it doesn't take. Listen, if a girl walks in with her boobs hanging out and she's in, it doesn't take a lot of intuition or discernment to know that men are going to struggle with lust when she walks in the room. Yeah. Doesn't take a lot of discernment there. Mm -hmm. She's doing it, and that's one of the. That's not. I'll right? I mean, just straight up say, it's not even in here. And I, I was I, I was like, I'm going to add to it because one of the ways women are prone to sin is through the opposite of the male's lust. So men lust, women want to be lusted after. Mm. Many women. They want to be pursued. Yeah. Mm. They want to be lusted after. We, 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 we're warned in Proverbs of the promiscuous woman. We're warned of the adulteress. We're warned of the of the prostitute. We're warned of the woman who wears all the fancy clothes to draw attention to her figure, to draw it. I've, I've, I've perfumed my bed. I've laid it all out. I've done this woman who is inviting this woman who wants the attention of men that the foolish man, the foolish man, you know, he follows her, but she's leading him. 
So one of the ways women are prone to sin is to use their sexuality to be desired by men. Yeah. And, I, and I, I listen, I say men. I don't mean their husbands. Wives are meant to use their sexuality to be desired by their husbands. Yeah. One man. Mm-hmm. Not men in general. Mm-hmm. So dressing immodestly, drawing attention to feminine your feminine beauty in many ways is a sin that that women need to repent of. They're they're literally commanded by God to dress in modest ways. Yeah. Right? And obviously in our day and age in our culture that is just completely yeah. uh you know, the reason disregard. why Douglas Wilson did not put that in here is because if you if you get the beginning of this chapter, he talks about he calls them men and women, but ultimately he says husbands and wives. So he is talking about this within the context of the home, and so I understand why he didn't put it in sure. there. But I would agree in terms of general generally, women that's a way that they do sin. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so ladies, don't you're not the Holy Spirit. Don't try to be the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> this is why we encourage you to go to the fight cl- your husband's fight club, your husband's pastor, etc., and not um, be the one that's trying to point out all of his sins yeah. and trying to lead him to the truth. And try that's not your job. Mm-hmm. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And I know it's really difficult, and you try to control all that, but it never goes well for you. I, I, I might bring up one thing, and that is that as my wife is my help she can ask some good questions if I don't see something about myself. So in other words, there's, it, it does go back to how she's approaching in terms of our relationship. So there are times when I might have responded in a particular way, either to my children or maybe to uh, someone else, maybe in, in our missional community or something, and we might go home and she may say, or come to our room after I dealt with the children, she might say, hey, honey, you know, the way you responded there, was there something else going on? And she might ask a question to help me to kind of reflect on how I've responded. But that's not her working as the Holy Spirit. She's really being more like a mirror to me to see how I've responded. She's not, she doesn't come at me and accusing me right. of the yep. sin. She's yeah. just simply helping me to see 100%. how I might have responded. And there's times I'm like, wow, you're right. I think there was something that I wasn't aware of. And, oh. and then, and, you know. That's, yeah, that, that's different. That's being your help, being the help. Yeah. I mean, that's my wife does that to me all the time. Yeah. Um, did you see how that, what you said there didn't respond? He didn't respond to that. She didn't respond to that. Whatever. Mm-hmm. That's that's yeah, what that's you're there for. Yeah. It's <clears throat> when you're you a wife, though she is insightful and she's gifted by God. She is not omniscient. Right. She does not know my motives. Right. She does not know my thoughts. Anytime a wife assumes. She knows his thoughts. She knows all things about everything. She's a hundred percent certain of his motives, and his, you're you're the, you're being the Holy Spirit. You're trying to be the Holy Spirit, yeah, right. and that is demonic. Right, right. I, yeah. Hey, and I, I know it's harsh to say it that way, but that's how Satan wants to get in and destroy our Christian marriages, yeah. right? So, yeah. and I think too, like if you don't know how to ask those good questions, I just think like it's important, like Justin was saying earlier. Um, snitch him out, right? Get, like, <laughs> I mean, get with this uh, fight. Cl- get with this fight club because even though you want to address it, it's probably better coming from one of his brothers, his brothers in Christ, that can be able to address it in a in a different um, scenario, different 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 way, where then like it clicks for him. Because for you, it could like we always say that ping pong ball is just going off, going off, going off. But then when his brother in Christ statue, brings it it's up, like, it's like hit, ping pong ping pong ball bouncing off a statue. Yeah, it's not getting yep, in. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. Because sometimes, why do we need a third party in marriage? Because when my wife comes to me, sometimes 
Well, no, not. She has her own sin. I have my own sin. Yeah. Sometimes she's confronting something in me just because she didn't like what I did mm-hmm. or because it didn't serve her idols. Yeah. And sometimes the reverse is true. And so sometimes in a, in a disagreement in a marriage, I refuse to give up ground because I know she just wants, this mm-hmm. is her idol. This is her thing. Yeah. And so we need a third party to come in and go, no, dude, I actually think she was right. Yep. You, you're not seeing this um, or vice versa with the ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's helpful to do that in actual missional community as well. Because again, here, here's one of the dangers that we can have with our fight clubs. Since women are prone to sin in feminine ways and men are prone to sin in masculine ways, sometimes our fight clubs could devolve into men giving excuse for masculine sin and women giving excuse for feminine sin, and the women, the wife goes back and all she hears from her fight club is, yeah, you go, girl. He's a big dummy. You need to get after him or whatever, right? And we need women that have biblical wisdom yep. to actually speak against their friends in fight club to say, no, you disrespected your husband. You need to go and repent, yeah. right? And men to speak against their buddies in Fight Club and say, "No, you didn't love your wife. You need to go back to her and you need to repent." Yeah, yeah, that's good. All right. The fifth way women are prone to sin is lack of sexual protection. Lack of sexual protection. What is that? Well, Paul says this in First Corinthians seven two. Nevertheless, to avoid fornication or to avoid sexual immorality. Let every man have his own wife, and let every woman her own husband. Paul teaches us here that one of the purposes of marriage is to provide protection against the many temptations to sexual immorality that exist out in the world. Now, when Paul wrote this, Paul was not writing this from some kind of prude society. There was all kinds of sexuality. Um... Men, men were so sexual that they would have sex with their wives, they would have sex with servants, they would have sex with slaves, they would have sex with other men, and they weren't considered gay. It was, they were so sexual, no one basically could satisfy their sexuality. And it wasn't being gay. And there were temples and all kind of things that, cultic sexual practices, sex was everywhere in the pagan world, okay? And Paul's saying, listen, this world is very sexual. Men are very sexual, and it's going to be really hard to be chaste. And so if you're not, if you're, if you're not, if you don't have the spiritual gift of chastity, means you, you know, you, you don't desire sex, then you need to have a wife, and your sexuality is meant for your wife. And that means that your wife is meant to protect you sexually. And I'm going to say the the husband is meant to protect the wife sexually too because there are some wives who are more sexual, desire sex more than more than others. Mm. And so as a off-ramp towards temptation, right? God has given us our spouse. Mm. So Having good sexual relations with your spouse, good, frequent, uh, joyful, God-honoring, that helps us all fight the temptation towards sexual morality. So what if someone is uh, saying, like, man, this dude wants to have sex four times a day? Like, this is stressful, 
right? This this is a lot. Like, so his issues become now my issues of him not dealing with his not knowing have not having self control. I guess I would say. Um. So does his issues become my issues? Yes. Mm. I if you're speaking hyperbolically. There are some people who are going to be more sexual than others. Yeah. Their desires are going to be higher mm-hmm. than others. A wife should meet her husband's desires. Mm-hmm. A husband should meet her wife's desires, his mm-hmm. wife's desires. Okay. Um, now, if a husband is legitimately desiring sex four times a day, okay. Um, what does he do for a living? First of all, I'm trying to think. That's his job. Man, who is this guy? But I'll exaggerate a little bit. Maybe, okay. maybe it's six times a week. Maybe it's seven times a week. You know? No, I don't. So, so I don't. Th- I don't think that's his issue. I don't mm. think that's like a his issue thing. Now, but I say that. If he's somehow like addicted to pornography yeah. or there's something else driving this, then of course, yes, he needs to get help with with his issue. But if this is he just desires his wife and this is just what he's into, you know what I mean? Like this, he loves her and he wants, then yes, she should do that, right? Mm. And it goes both ways, mm. you know? It goes both ways. Sometimes women desire their husbands that way and he's required by God, to provide that for a spouse. Yeah. And this, here's the deal. If you say no, that will be a hindrance to his sanctification. Yeah. Okay? Now, that will make it more difficult for him to remain pure, or that will make it more difficult for her to remain pure. Now, we've already said it in the last podcast, and I'm going to say it in this one. Just because your wife denies you or just because your husband doesn't give you sex as often as you want does not excuse you in any way from being pure, remaining pure and not sinning. Mm -hmm. But obviously it's a contributing factor. Even in the old Testament, when he called, when he talks about the sin of stealing, he talks about the, the, the man who sins because he's starving and be, or he steals because he's starving and because his family's starving. Like, he still has to pay back what he stole. But that's, I don't want to say excusable, but there it, it's understandable, mm-hmm. right? He was, he was doing that because he was starving, right? Women who are cold, women who are nanny-like, they smack their husband's hands away, they act like he's a pervert, they act like he's there's something wrong with him because he desires her all the time, they are sinning against God and they're making their husband's life more difficult. Mm. God gave him a wife to help him fight the proclivity towards sexual immorality. Mm. One of the ways God helps, God's going to sanctify him is through a happy sex life with his wife. And so a wife should take, I mean, as serious as a heart attack every time her husband desires her. And I'm going to say the husband as well. So 
I, I have counseled many women who desire their husbands more than he desires her, mm. right? Be honest, I don't understand it. That's not how God made me, okay? Yeah, for sure. But she has to pursue him, and he denies her. Now, that's a sin. Mm-hmm. Both, both directions, that's a sin. Sometimes that can be a medical issue, literally a physical issue. If you get overweight, if your hormones get out of balance, um, all, there's all kinds of different things that can cause frustration there. And, and men and women should pursue all avenues to, 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 to health, right? But God has given us each other to lay down our life for each other. Her body belongs to me. My body belongs to her. So, I mean, I'll just say it. Amanda and I, before we got married, we w- talked through all this kind of stuff. And we made a covenant with one another. When the other person wants to have sex, we're not going to say no. Right. Like, as long as provident, we're not providentially hindered and nobody's yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. <laughs> on their deathbed. Or For sure. <laughs> hey, you said it was Tuesday, girl. You better wake up. <laughs> yeah. No, none of these things. Mm-hmm. But. And it shouldn't make you resentful either, right? No, it should not oh, make okay. you. I mean, we've already, we've already talked about yeah, the sin yeah. of resentful. Mm-hmm. We've already talked about the sin of resentfulness. Like, God made you, woman, to be desirable by your husband. And to swat his hand away and act like he's some kind of pervert because he's pursuing you, like, you don't know what you're for. Yeah. Like, that's one of the, your greatest glories is that you have a man who wants to be with you, who, who wants to know you, who wants to pursue you in that direction, yeah. right? And so, so one of the ways women can be sinned, and now I'm going to say lack of sexual protection. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add to this, like, to manipulate to use God's created order to manipulate. And what I mean by that is sure you can you can we can you can get some if you do the dishes. Mm. Better fix that car. <laughs> whatever <laughs> it is. The yeah. Whatever it is. What you're doing is turning sex into a commodity just like the world. Mm. And you're turning your body you're you're objectifying yourself. Yeah. Don't do that. Yes, sex is more than just what you do in the bedroom. It requires intimacy. It requires communication. It requires emotional connection. It requires mutual service. Yeah. It requires a, a good marriage. It requires all these different things. Yes, it does require, I mean, it, it, all of that affects your sex life. Yeah. But don't use it as a commodity. Don't use it as a bartering tool. Don't yeah. say, yeah, if you're a good boy, Friday night, you'll get some. Like, that's crazy. That's a sin. Mm-hmm. That's a sin. Um, now again, a husband's duty is to be above board in his mental fidelity. He is responsible for his eyes, regardless of the responsiveness of his wife, period. However, the model for Christian wives, I love this. This is Doug Wilson is neither the Victorians nor the faces and bodies found in all the women's magazines. The model is the Shulamite in the song of songs. And if you read the song of songs, it's very sexual, but it's, my desires for my husband, and I want him, and he wants me, and that's that's meant to be uh, the model. So, um, one of the ways women are prone to sin is I'm going to say he says this: the lack of sexual protection. I'll just say turning sex into a commodity. Mm. Okay. So, <clears throat> anybody got anything else to say on that one? Well, I just the only thing I would say is that if they are not on the same same wavelength, we'll just call it in terms of their understanding of their their needs. 
ultimately it is the man's responsibility. So he yeah. is if she is not, if she is saying no, yes, she is sinning against him. But if he is just if he's not doing anything about it, if he is just frustrated and not dealing with it, then mm-hmm. he is also sinning because ultimately he is 100% responsible for for his family. So for, for Mr. and Mrs. Smith, as we went in yeah, our yeah, yeah. previous for sure. in our previous podcast. So that's uh, so he needs to he needs to t- deal with it. He needs to say, okay, what yeah. do we need to do to get get on the right on the same page with with regards to our sex. That's the thing. That's the hardest thing about for, for guys is to have the conversation. You got to have the conversation and be able to walk it out with your your spouse in a loving way. You may, have to, have to have re- you may have to have a conversation with somebody else to help yeah. you walk. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah, many sure. times it takes somebody else to come in and say, "Let's talk this through and work out." Because you can't see, you can't think clearly. And and nobody knows because people don't talk about this. Nobody knows what's normal. Right, right. I've met with men who said, who thought like having sex every six months was normal. And I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, no. Like, so if you are not sexually fulfilled in your marriage, you need to reach out to a pastor. And I'm just going to say, skip the MC, skip the skip yeah. the fight club. If you're not sexually fulfilled in your marriage, you need to reach out to a pastor. Yeah. And I know men, if, if that's men and women both, it can be a, a topic of shame. It can t- be a to- topic of embarrassment. But your sexual relationship with your spouse is, one, it's a picture of the gospel. Yeah, for sure. Right? When Eve, Genesis 4.1 says, Eve knew her husband Adam and they conceived. The Hebrew word there is, shows that sex isn't just a biological urge. It's not just our, um, you know, so we're not just bodies that are bumping up against each other. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've communicated this to my wife. Like when I'm wanting to be with you, I'm not wanting, I'm not just looking for an orgasm. That's yeah. not why I'm doing this. I'm wanting to know you. I'm wanting to feel the connection. I'm wanting to be one with you mentally, spiritually, physically, emotionally. Yeah. It's the most vulnerable, open it's a and it, again it's a, it's a picture of it's a picture of the gospel yeah. right and so it's meant to point towards our ultimate union with Christ but it's also meant to fight against the dangers we are in a world that is just hyper sexualized yeah like there are women who, right now who would you know they're trying to get your husband's attention mm-hmm. they are trying to get his text number his phone yeah. number they're literally, they want him. They're wanting, you know, with OnlyFans and pornography and all of this stuff, they're wanting to get his attention. And they are the Proverbs 7 woman who want to pull him away into sexual sin. Yeah. And part of the weapons God gave us to fight against that is sex with our wife, right. sex in our marriage, right? And same thing goes for, for, for women as well. God gave us our wives to fight sexual temptation yeah. and sexual immorality. And I just want to say, too, like, don't feel afraid to approach the pastors because, like, just because the pastors have a standard in their marriage of what that looks like for them, is, it may not be the same for you. And uh, walking that out. So, like, don't feel afraid. Um, be open and honest and um, come get the help. Yeah, come get the help. All right. Sin number six. False submissiveness. 
So Paul says that wives are to submit to their husbands as the church submits to Christ. But many women do not understand what submission actually is. So here's the idea. The idea is, I want to submit to my husband as long as he does everything the exact way that he should do it. <laughs> I've often said that this is the, the woman who told me that, that, yeah, my husband's the head. And I actually heard this from a pastor's wife. Yeah, my husband's the head, but I'm the neck that oh. turns the head. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Okay. So what many women actually want is the husbands to look like they're leading, but for them, the women, to actually be leading. Mm -hmm. Paul, or no, Paul, in Genesis 3, when the curse is put on the, the serpent and, and it's read about the wife, the woman has said, your desire shall be for your husband, but he will rule over you. That desire, it's the same word that they use in Genesis 4, where it says, sin is crouching at your, at your door. It's desire is to have you, but you shall rule over him. It's the same, same, same word. So, same word. So the wife, her desire will be for her husband. She'll want to be the neck. She'll want to be the real leader in the marriage, right? But he's meant to be the leader. So there's a false submissiveness that takes place in the church where the wife is actually the one making all the decisions and the hut. And the husband is just kind of following along like a good little boy. And there's a sense where we can put a religious spin on this and make him look like the leader. But in reality, he never offends her. Mm. He never says no to her. He never challenges her. He never says, honey, you're going to have to submit to me and, and actually and, and follow my lead, lead on this. The husband, when, it come, when, when they cannot come to an agreement, the husband is to make the call. The husband is to set the rule. The husband is to say, no, our daughter's not going to do that. The husband is meant to be the one that says, that dress is too short. And when the wife says, no, it's not. Everybody's wearing dresses four inches shorter than that. That's ridiculous. The husband's meant to go, I'm sorry, honey, but that dress is too short and she's not leaving the house in that. So she shouldn't even say that right in front of her husband when, she, and the kid. Well, yeah, she shouldn't, but mm. I know most moms are probably going to say that yeah. you dad you don't know the style i don't need to know the style yeah. i know what's in the mind of every man that will see my daughter yeah for sure and that dress is too short right so, so what if uh as, as we're talking about leading the wife wants the the husband to lead but he's, he's he doesn't lead so then nothing happens what yeah. happens there it's tough man that's that's a tough one that's obviously that's when you call out for the pastors that's when you get the elders involved and that's going to be a case-by-case -case basis. So we never, the wives are never to follow their husbands in sin. Okay? So we're not talking about the Bible clearly speaks of this. The husband says go left, and the Bible says go right, and the wife has to go left. That's not what we're talking about. Okay? Um, the husband that says, hey, honey, let's watch pornography together. I think that'll make our life better, our, our marriage or intimacy better. The wife has 100% right to say, absolutely not. We're not going to do that. I'm not going to submit you into this. In, in this situation, that's a sin. We're not going to do that. Yeah. Okay? Um, but when it's, I want to use morally neutral. If it's morally neutral, if the Bible doesn't speak to it, and the husband says, um, 
something, the wife should go along with it, right? But if the husband is absolutely abdicating his leadership, she needs to get the pastors involved. And of course, in in some sense, in some situations, she's going to have to lead. Mm-hmm. That's just yeah. what's going to have to happen. She's going to have to lead, you said? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If he's not leading, somebody has to lead. And so in... In this situation, she in a certain situation, she might have to lead. Yeah. It's not God's ideal, but if he's abdicated his responsibility, she's going to have to do it. Mm. A great example is if a husband leaves. He divorces his wife. He leaves. Well, she's meant to provide nurture, be the life giver in the home. But now the, the one that's meant to provide the structure has gone. So what is she going to have to do? She's going to have to try to the best of her ability to do both duties, mm-hmm. structure and nurture, yeah. to be the rule setter and to be the life giver, right? Yeah, so when we think about this, um, this sin of submission, I think really the test of real submission is when the husband says, we're going to go this direction, and she disagrees with it, and yet she submits. So it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, I'm submissive to my husband because I agree with everything he, he does. That's not really the test of submission. Really, the test comes when he says, you know what? I think this is the direction we need to go. This is the decision we need, we're going to need to make. And she's like, uh, I don't think so. Yep. But she says, but I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you. Now, a husband, his responsibility is always to listen to his wife, counsel, and get her opinion and yep. you know, input on things. So it's not that we're not to be listening to our wives. But in the end, really, uh, we, you know, submission really only is seen when the wife has to go along or goes along with something that maybe she disagrees with, but is willing to say, hey, you're the leader. Let's yeah. go. Wives, many wives won't say this, I don't think. But a godly woman wants a man who will do what's right even when she disagrees with it. And they are attracted to it. Mm-hmm. They desire it. It's masculine. And, you know, oh, I don't think you should go on that trip. I don't think you should do that. No, babe, I thought about it, prayed about it. I'm going to actually do it. I'm going to do it. And she respects that. A woman respects a man who is guided by eternal, biblical, and internal principles. Mm-hmm. That she loses respect for a man that doesn't have a gut that's pointed towards obeying God. Mm-hmm. Like if she knows, if she goes, let's not go to church today. And he goes, okay, she won't respect him. Mm-hmm. But if she goes, I don't really feel like going to church today. And he goes, all right, honey, well, you can stay home, but I'll, me and the kids, we're going to go. Something about him going against her will and not, you know, is deeply attractive mm-hmm. to a godly woman. That you want a man who will do the right thing no matter what, even when you don't want to even want it, mm, right? Yeah. And so I think that's, I think that's important. That's All right. Good. Lastly, the sin. So what's, what's a sin some women are prone to or women are prone to? The sin, he calls it, of being a leaky faucet. You got that pulled up, Joel, or are you just looking at it? Yeah, the proverb. Yeah. Proverbs 19, 13 says, a foolish son is the calamity of his father, and the contentions of a wife are a continual dropping. Ooh. Yikes. The Word of God says that a wife who will not let things go and keeps on airing her concerns is like a leaky faucet. <laughs> now, 
So is that nagging? That's nagging for sure. That's nagging. That's constantly bringing things up. That's not letting things go. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, that's just peck, 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 peck. Right. Think about, you know, anything in your home that like if you got a leaky faucet or a dripping, it's just torture. It's just one thing after the other. Right now, it doesn't mean that you can't have back and forth discussions. It doesn't mean you can say, hey, did you remember this? But men are not nagged into true obedience, mm -hmm. right? They're not nagged into true obedience. And so being a contentious wife, and that, what does it mean to be contentious? One, it means, I, it means to be quick to being easy to offend, means argumentative, um, you know, quick to, you know, be disagreeable. To be nitpicking your husband all the time. Um, these are sins. And it's interesting because this goes together with this, the woman who tears down her own house. Because no woman knowingly, she's called by God to build her home, build her children, build her husband to be the helper. No woman, woman rationally and knowingly destroys her own home. It's like literally ruin, you know, it's, it's like ruining what, you know, your own source of happiness, mm. yeah. mm -hmm. right? Why does she do that? She does it because she doesn't realize what she's actually doing. She, she's thinking all this goes together. She's being the Holy Spirit. She's helping her husband. She's doing it. But she's really just nagging, being contentious, being argumentative, bringing up his sins constantly and effectively. And not just his. She can do the same thing with the kids, right? But what she's actually doing is tearing down her house with her mouth. And the Bible tells us the power of life and death is in the tongue. That you can give life to your husband, you can give life to your children, or you can take life yeah. from them with your mouth. One of the conversations my wife and I have had in the past um, is that she... she she probably she would have to ask the question. Does this really matter? She would ask that question to me, because she uh, at one point I remember us, us saying uh, I saying to her I saying it's almost like uh, everything's important to you. Like everything is 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 got to have an an answer. And we started talking that through a bit because she she discovered that she was frustrated by a lot of things. And so we said, well, what really is important and what really is something we can probably let go. And, and a lot of times this had to do with our children and things that she was, she wanted to see change in, in certain places. And we, we started having to w have a conversation together saying, well, you know, that, that probably is important. This is something we should probably be focusing on. Eh, let's, this probably isn't as important and maybe someday later down the road. So we helping her to kind of work through um, she's got a high sense of uh, she's a she's a one on the enneagram. If you know anything about uh -huh. a one on the enneagram, there's black and very black and white. You know, wants justice, wants justice in all things. And so, you know, as we kind of walk that through a little bit, she realized, yeah, I, I care about too many things, and it's just wearing me down. It's like, yeah. So let's let's have that conversation. Whatever you think, you know, ask me first before you you know run after that 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 issue kind of a feel to it. So it's a good conversation. Yeah. Okay. So. Ladies, you might feel a little wounded right now. You might feel a little beat up. <clears throat> um, hopefully, hopefully, you saw some of these sinful proclivities in yourself. We are all 
prone to them and you may be convicted. Your conscience might be pricked. And that is the Holy Spirit drawing you into the light. He's not doing it to just expose you. He's not doing it to embarrass you. He's not doing it to tell you you're a bad wife or you're a bad woman. He's doing it to show the areas of your heart that he wants to do surgery on. And so these are areas that need to be cut out. These are areas that need to be confessed, repented of, and then you need to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. So that might mean starting a journal and saying, you know what, I am I have been guilty of being the Holy Spirit in my in my marriage and family, and I need to I need to quit doing that. So I need to ask the Holy Spirit to open my hands so I can freely receive and freely give what God mm-hmm. gives me and not try to control everything in my family, in my husband, in my life. Mm-hmm. And what we know is as we confess, as we repent, as we follow God's ways, we will be blessed, yeah. right? The husband will provide the structure. The wife can provide the nurture. We can see the, the, the peculiar glory of the normal Christian home, right? We'll see our children's children follow Jesus. This is the blessed life that we want. And so, but we can only have it through faith and ongoing faith in the gospel, that yeah. reminds us, yes, we're sinners, but Christ came and died for sinners. And as we confess, repent those things, we can be let out of that sin and we can be more and more sanctified. Right? Amen. All right. Well, hopefully this was a blessing to you. We really do love you. We care for you. We hope you're growing in the gospel. And so if you have any questions, please email me at justindeanatsacredcitychurch.com. Until next time, God bless. Thank you.